I want to pray and ask uh, his favor. Abba Father, thank you so much for the way that you show kindness. Thank you for grace uh, that goes beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Uh, thank you that you, um, you bless us and you encourage us to stay faithful and to walk in your ways, to say the things you would say and do the things that you would do. Thank you, Abba Father. Please bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's talk about the love of God. Um, there are three scriptures that I want to focus on, three passages. The first is from Psalm 143, and it reads as follows. Let me hear your faithfulness in the morning, for I trust you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. For in you, I lift up my soul. Okay. Let me give you just a little bit of focus on this. Um, let me hear faithfulness. Let me hear it in the morning. In Hebrew, it is Shama Berkur Chesed. Shama, hear. It literally means hear. Listen up. Everybody listen up. Focus on the loving kindness of the Lord. Chesed, beautiful language. And for I trust in you, teach me the way in which I should walk. For in you I lift up my soul, nefesh. Um, when God took a fistful of dirt and made a man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a nefesh. Okay. I'm going to lift up my soul to you. Okay. Um, look at this, Hebrews 14, or 4, verse 14. I know this is something you're familiar with. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need, all right? Um, sympathy, it's unusual when a Greek word, or it's significant when a Greek word is almost exactly the same as an English word, and sympathy is that. Sympatheo, sympathy, with pain. Literally, with suffering is what it means. Sympathy means with suffering. In other words, I'm going to enter into your suffering. I'm going to enter into your pain is the idea of sympathy. I'm going to feel it with you. Um, we've changed the word pathology to mean disease. But the idea here is with suffering, with compassion, is the idea. Um, because we have a Savior who is sympathetic, it says, verse 16, that we can proserkamai, we can come near um, in my neighborhood, I was, I was driving away and I saw a moving truck. There's a company in Little Rock that is known for scamming clients. And what they do is you'll contract, hey, we'll move your gear from point A to point B. It'll cost five grand. They load it. And when they get to the destination, they keep it locked. They hijack your, your furnishings. They keep the truck locked. And they said, we bid it wrong. You owe us another $2,000. And if you resist, they will drive away. They have been approached by the Bitter Business Bureau. You know what I'm talking about. It's bad. 
okay? And this is happening a lot with them. Well, I saw that mover in my neighbor's driveway. And so I went up to the neighbor and I said, hey, hey, um, can you come here? I need to talk to you for a minute. And the guy goes, yeah, what's up? And we got about that far apart. And I said, you need to be aware. Okay. When I said, hey, can you come here? That's cross air, come on. Come here. Come here. I'm, it's safe. You can talk to me. I need to talk to you. Come here. Come on. That's literally what prosericamai means. Okay? It means come here. We've got to do something together. We've got to talk. Therefore, let's prosericamai. We can go there. We can go to the throne of grace with confidence. Uh, Parathesia. It's really interesting. The word means we get to talk. It's the best thing that we can, we can say to translate that. You can talk in front of God. That's quite an idea. Because sometimes, um, have, were you guys ever raised with those parents, by those parents that they didn't let you talk? And you weren't allowed to talk, you only had to listen. And if you talked, regardless if you said something that was valid and truthful, you know, you'd pay for it. Yeah. yeah I, you know. Children should be seen and not heard. Well, I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, no, that's how I was raised. That word is, means the opposite. It means you can have confidence when you're in the throne room to speak up. You can say, hey, God, Daddy, Abba, Father, it's me. Here's what's going on. That's what it means, okay? Let's do one more. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For the one who comes near, proserkamai, the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. I love that. I love that. All right. Um, did Jesus have his quiet time? How did Jesus draw near to God? This is interesting. Check this out with me. This is a quick scan of Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately afterward, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat, go ahead of him to the side of the lake. While he sent the crowds away, and while he was doing that, it says he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Jesus got alone and he scooted everybody out. It's like he needed to be alone. Look at, look at Matthew 14. Let's do a, a flyover of this. Matthew 14, 1 to 12. His dear friend, his cousin is murdered. John the Baptist is murdered. Okay. In a political, religious scheme all right i that had a deep impact on him all right look at this he tries to get away i think he wants to process the death of his cousin and when jesus heard the news that john the baptist was executed it says he withdrew to a secluded place by himself i think jesus needed to grieve at least that but guess what the crowd chases him down. In fact, it's a huge crowd. In fact, it's 5,000 men. And it says this, when he came to shore, he saw the large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When he needs to be alone in a boat, when he needs to get away because he's dealing with the death of somebody so dear to him, all of a sudden, he's swarmed by 5,000 people. Actually, way more than that. He miraculously feeds the 5,000 men and their families. How many were there? 
possibly 15,000, possibly 20, 25,000. We don't know. A lot of people. He finally moves them on. And he said, and text says that he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. And then in the fourth watch of the night, he knew the disciples were struggling on the sea. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Okay. That's really interesting. He keeps trying to get away, trying to get away. Well, he finally gets away. So I just want to encourage you on something. Jesus walked on water publicly after he prayed with his father and prayed privately. Okay. Uh, I'm about to turn this over to you because I'm excited. I want to hear from you guys. When we speak at Christ Church, we're polite, we're dignified. We use language appropriate for all. We want to seek to build up and strengthen the faith of the church. We always honor God's word. And we need to be real careful about offering the counsel of fools and the counsel of hypocrisy. I want to give you guys something real quick. When Jesus finally got away and he went, Danny, to the mountain alone, it says it was evening. What time is that? When evening starts in the Jewish day, what time is it? Sundown. So it's 6 p.m. at night. Okay, watch this, 6 p.m., he's finally alone, it's evening. And then in the fourth watch of the night, he knows the men are struggling in the boat, and he, and he approaches them on the water. What, what's the starting hour of the fourth watch of the night? Anybody know? 3 a.m. 3 a.m. So 6 p.m. at night to 3 a.m. in the morning, how many hours is that? Nine hours. Jesus spent nine hours alone with God. All right? Jesus models for me, models for you, that you can approach God. The death of his dear friend, the prophet that honored him in the spirit of Elijah, John the baptizer, is murdered because of a colluding woman. And some stuff that was going on in the background to get John executed. Had to have broken Jesus' heart. Had to have hit him deeply. He needs to get away. He can't. The crowds keep coming after him. When you read Mark's gospel, there's a text that says that Jesus was, was so surrounded they didn't have time to eat. All right. I think Jesus is tired. I want to tell you a story before I turn you loose on this. Um, this is a little music box. Okay. Um, this was purchased at Walmart. This is not real high quality stuff. And it was made in Taiwan. All right, so it's, it's really cardboard with a little veneer and glue and tape and uh, all these things. So I want to talk about Rebecca for just a minute, my daughter Rebecca. Um, five kids living with us. It's, it's a journey, and yet it's a beautiful thing at our house. Uh, Beck and the kids have been with us now for about a year. And um, a few nights ago, uh, we were sitting together and we're hanging out. And by the way, I, I'm, I'm being very candid with you all. I think Rebecca's one of the most amazing mothers I've ever met in my life, even if she wasn't my, my daughter. And so we're sitting there, Rebecca's on the, on the floor, uh, K 
caring for little Elizabeth Jane, Bethy Boo. And uh, Phoebe comes downstairs with this right here. <laughs> she comes downstairs, she's crying. And she goes, Zay, Zay, step on it. You know, and all these things. Now we're not really sure how it happened, but it got crunched and it got kind of smashed up. And uh, I think Rebecca is has been actually feeding 5,000 people. <laughs> if you can appreciate that. And Becca feels the need to walk on water. You know what I mean by that? Five kids. It's constant, right? And she's tired. You can see it in her eyes. And, and, and I thought it was one of those moments, you know, um, we kind of give ourselves away, don't we? You know, I was talking with a cop. We had an interesting conversation about how cops approach uh, a, a potential perpetrator and the questions they might ask and and they'll do this uh, the cop might say hey, you don't happen to have any any drugs on you and they go no <laughs> the, the, it, because of what's called a psych it's a psychomotor gesture they already feel scared because there's a cop right and they already feel guilty because there's, there's drugs in their pocket and so when the cop says by chance, do you have any drugs on you? And they go, uh, no. No. Do you have a weapon on you? Uh, no. And they put the hand right on the weapon, you know, kind of a thing. And uh, we kind of, we give ourselves away, right? Okay. Becca's stressed out. Becca's tired. Five kids putting up with me and the whole bit. And um, she's sitting on the floor. And then, and then here comes Phoebe. Say, say, step on it. You know. And Rebecca takes it. She sets it down, and then she scoops up little Phoebe, who's a, a intense emotions. Can you say that? Phoebe's got some big, big emotions, big heart. Scoops her up, kisses her, and, and I'm telling you, the angels of heaven went, shh, listen. And Becca says, I am so glad you bring broken things to me. And when I heard that, I am so glad you bring broken things to me. Now, as a mother, what could she have righteously said? And she would have been spot on, telling the truth, right, straight as an arrow, right. What could she have said? Why did you leave it on the floor? What's the rule at our house? A place for everything and everything in its place. What else could she have said? Sounds like that's a problem between you and Isaiah. I'll let you guys slug it out upstairs. Figure it out. You know, if you can't get along with your siblings. You know. Or about this one. Don't bring your stuff to me. I don't want to hear it. I'm sick of this. I've just fed 5,000 people and I can't even get away to have a little quiet time. I can't even go to the bathroom by myself without someone saying, Mommy, 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 Mom, Mommy, are you in there? You think I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I'm not. I could do that for a long time. Man, she could have. And you know what? As a parent, she would have been spot on righteous. And, and then, of course, you know, the men would go, well, huh? 
you got to teach those kids responsibility, you know. And they need to like cut some grass and buy a new one. What he needs to give it to her and apologize. That's what men do. That's right. We show responsibility around here. I want to put your wine in, boy. It's gonna be a lot harder when you get older. You know that, don't you? That's right. We raise you to be a man. We don't raise you to be a boy. And instead of saying all of that, she just said, I'm so glad you bring broken things to me. Wow. Now let's look at this again. (laughs) Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. That means, didn't you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior some time ago? Didn't you confess him as Lord? Then you need to get a hold of that. Get a hold of your confession. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize. Our high priest feels our pain. And he knows we have weaknesses. But he's one who's been tempted in all things just like we are. He knows how tired it is to feed 5,000 people. And yet he didn't sin. Therefore, let's walk right into the throne room of God, to the throne of grace, and we get to talk without being told to shut up. Without being told, you know, you know what? If you'd start listening, things would be a whole lot better. Learn to listen and stop the talking and you might learn something. And then we wouldn't keep having this lesson again and again and again. You know. Just now you get to go to the throne room and just, just say, hey, Dad, can I talk? <coughs> so that we might receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. I think Rebecca dialed in the heart of Jesus. And I think when we bring our broken things to God, to Jesus... He's good with that. He's good with that. Okay, what are some broken things that we can bring to Jesus? Well, for one, it's our past. We can bring our past. Sometimes we stumble over a lot of stuff that's behind us. And our attempt to go forward, we keep tripping over what's behind us. And you know, there's just something about bringing our past, our broken past, or or our present, the right here, right now of our lives. We can bring broken things to God. Okay. All right. You're the body of Christ. Why does this matter? How would we practically live out the belief that God wants us to bring our broken things to Him? You're the church. Stephen, let me know if anybody's online. Yeah. So we, we need to 
Lift this nation and our leaders up in prayer. Yeah. Because they're very yeah. broken right now. Paul told Timothy to pray for all people in authority, kings, governors, etc. <coughs> yeah. And you're onto something, Janice, because uh, it's pretty, pretty, pretty easy to criticize a president, right? You know, if you're anti Trump, you'll find out everything that that guy's ever done wrong and you'll love to talk about it. If you're anti-Biden, you'll come up with everything he's ever done wrong, and you'll t- and it feels so good to slam somebody in power. But Paul told Timothy, "Pray for those in authority." Yeah, because Proverbs says that God, the heart of a king is in the hand of God. Now that's some serious theology. The heart of a king is in the hand of God, and he can turn that heart any direction he wants, just like water can cut a new course and a new channel. And a river can change shape uh, because of pressure of water. So God can turn the heart of a king. Yeah. And you know, Pastor, when I pray for our leaders and authority, I cannot, in good conscience, pray to have them blessed. Yeah. I pray that the Lord either turns their heart or removes them. Yeah. Yeah. And when you read the Old Testament, Janice, that story is repeated over and over and over again. Yeah, it's real. What else can we take to God that's broken? Marriage? Chase. What's that? Okay, I'm a little hard. Our hearts, yes. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so good, Chase, yeah. And for uh, a lot of us, maybe most of us, but not your dad and mom, because I know them. Sometimes our emotions can be way bigger than the facts, way bigger. When you've got 50 pounds of emotion, when you have a five-pound problem, something's wrong. And it's good to take that heart and know we're not going to be shamed or backhanded when we enter the throne room of grace. So someone else, why does this matter? Walking into the throne room of grace with confidence to find mercy and helping our time of yeah, Anna. So whenever you're talking about this, what I keep thinking of is I have my students and they fall or they you know come up and you can't even see where the where there's nothing there. Yeah. But they're convinced that it's there. Yeah. And like their whole world is like falling apart. And then you bring out a band aid and everything's better. They were never hurt in the first place. They just needed a band aid. <laughs> And I think that a lot of times we try to just band-aid everything together. Yeah. And just, okay, well, this kind of sort of solved the problem, so we'll leave it here instead of going to like the root of the problem. And yeah. that band aids not really going to help whatever yeah. actually hurt them. Why did they but do that then? Feel better. Yeah, why, just, do, why did they come crying to you to look for the band or to get the band-aid? Why? Because that's my role with them. Yeah. I am the one that's supposed to fix everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Someone else. Why does this matter? Stephen? Uh, Maddie has a response. I don't remember what your initial question was, but this is an answer to it. It's just two words. She says, misunderstood motives. Yes. Yes. That's good, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? We as believers can come with confidence to the throne of grace, knowing that Jesus is ready to enter into our pain. A broken marriage, 
a broken relationship with a child, uh, with a boss, work situations, difficulties, uh, the disappointments of life, uh, all these things. Very, very real. What else? Anybody? Why we can take this step to God? Uh, Michael? We can bring, and this is probably the most powerful thing, other people's problems. Mm. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the greatest strengths that we have as a yeah. body of Christ is to tap into, into the power of God on behalf yeah. of other people. Yes, thank you, Michael. That is so good. Yeah. And Michael, didn't Jesus really model that for us? You know, he lost his cousin. He wants to get away. He can't. The crowd keeps chasing him down. And he didn't say, all right, nope, 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 no more snacks. I'm not helping you guys anymore. I need, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I mean, he, and if he did, we'd all say, amen. Jesus learned to stand up for himself. But, you know, we would all say that. But he didn't. And he helped them. And even healed him. Yeah. Uh, when he was tired. I, and I bet his fatigue is beyond anything I could ever imagine. So, um, Stephen. Someone else online says, to pray for their blessing doesn't mean to pray for success slash riches. We're asking the Lord to give them whatever it takes to turn their heart to God. That's so good. Yes. Yes. Could you say that again, please? That was really good. <laughs> uh, it says, to pray for their blessing doesn't mean to pray for success slash riches. We're asking the Lord to give them whatever it takes to turn their heart to God. Yeah, so I need to say this. Uh, um, I think when you, when you gain skill in the fear of God, and you gain skill in Christ's esteem, and you are a Jesus follower, meaning you know the words that he would say because you've memorized them, and you talk about the things that he said, and you're living out the way of Jesus... You know how to discern between someone who's righteous and someone who's wicked. You know that. Okay. And in that skill set, and it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. I want to make a comment about two things. Number one, it's really unhealthy to sit at the kind of table that Jesus would flip. And it's really, really not good to bless someone that God is in process of judging. When we try to fix problems of and bless someone that is in the middle of judgment, we are literally complicating things. Okay? Can you think of like the classic illustration of that? The prodigal son. What if the most compassionate hearted people set up the soup kitchen ministry right next to the pig pen. And when he was so hungry, he wanted to eat what the pigs would eat. For a Jewish boy, you know that's bad. He could have gone right to the soup kitchen, got all the food he needed, got a bed, got a shower. There would be a Gideon Bible there in case he wanted to turn to God. And and we would bless, and then someone would change his clothes, and, and he would be the model child or the model person for this incredible ministry Uh, placed right where people get in trouble in the Palestinian Las Vegas or I just grabbed that city you get the idea Skid Row Mission right when you know what that kid was under he was under the judgment of God and the hunger in his belly was the very thing that was driving him to do what come to his senses repent 
and say, I need to go home. There are people who need to go home and we keep asking them to stay because we're good at blessing them. No, not good, not good. So tell me again what they just said, Stephen. That is so important. Pray for their blessing doesn't mean to pray for success slash riches. We are asking the Lord to give them whatever it takes to turn their heart to Him. Yes, that is so good. That is Holy Spirit timing right there. Someone else, why does this matter? That we can take our broken things to God and hear God say, Hey, I'm so glad you're bringing broken things to me. I'm so glad about that. Anybody else? Yes, Absolutely. And so, you know, that, so I see that it's him spending that nine hours. Yes, it was prayer, it was petition, it was those things, but it's also, um, it's also meditation. Mm-hmm. And I think that we could, you know, uh, we could benefit from allowing our mind to, to de-stress mm-hmm. by spending that time. Mm-hmm. That is so good. Nathan, Isaiah writes in chapter 26, verse 3, I will keep you in perfect peace when you focus your mind on me. That's what Yahweh says. I will give you perfect peace if you'll set your mind on me. That is so good. So good. Someone else. Anyone else? On why this matters. Anybody? All right, to the point of what Nathan mentioned. One reason why we can uh, go to the throne of grace you ready? For a lot of us, it's because Jesus is not like our parents. <laughs> okay, can we settle that one? <laughs> He's not like our parents. Now, by the way, by bringing that up, I'm not condemning every single person in here who's a parent and you're just awful and bless your heart, your kids are going to be so messed up because of you. I'm not saying that. <clears throat> I'm just saying, isn't it wonderful 
that Jesus is not like our parents. A lot of our parents, man, they get it right. They're amazing. Working hard, paying the bills, buying gas for the car, food, the mortgage, insurance, all those things. Cheering for Alabama. I mean, these are amazing people, (laughs) and they're doing a good job, right, as as parents. But there are times when uh, parents get tired because of the feeding of the 5,000 snacks and, and, the, and the stuff of life, and you're tired, and you're tired of money. You, you just get weary, and then you, you snap, and you say things in a tone that you're on the throne, but it's not a throne of grace. It's another kind of throne, and not mercy. And by the way, don't miss, don't, please don't, well, you're missing the point, Pastor. Sure, there's a time for discipline. Don't miss it. Yes, that's obvious. But I'm saying that when we have the Spirit of God deep in our hearts and a child comes to us, man, what a heart when you know how to say, hey, I'm so glad you're bringing your broken things to me. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad. All right, let's do this. Let's just get... Uh, Let's do some meditation. (laughs) Let's get quiet. And I want you to look inside. Is there something broken in your life that you need to lift up to the Lord? It's like the psalmist said, for to you I lift up my soul. It's like here it is. Is there something inside of you that you need to lift up to Jesus? And sometimes that means you've got to let go of it and get your hands off of it. Okay? And quit trying to control it. Like a spouse. Like a friend. Uh, like the person online that said, there are some people that are so bitter, they can find a bad motive in everything. And boy, when you get the crosshairs on you, You need to lift up a a wounded soul, a nephesh, the big emotions, Jace. Lift them up to God. Give them to him. What do you need to lift and give to Jesus? I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the way that you are kind and merciful. And we can lift our souls to you. And we can approach you with confidence And you let us talk, and you let us talk about what we think and why we're hurting, why we're upset, how we feel. And you don't shame us for being honest with you. What a gift. God, would you give us hearts right now to pursue you, to be faithful to you. Thank you so much that your love is so real and that nothing can separate us. From your love. Abba, Father, bless now, please. In Jesus' name, amen.